Welcome to the podcast of Woburn Baptist Church. We hope that you enjoy listening to the sermons and other audio provided by us. Feel free to share what you find here, and we hope that it will be beneficial to you as you seek to know and follow Christ. Turn our Bibles to John chapter 5. John chapter 5. Beginning in verse 1. You know, you heard the story of a man who went to the doctor. The doctor says, I've got good news and I've got bad news. The bad news is you have a a cancerous tumor. But the good news is that your type of cancer is treatable. And you have a very, very good prognosis that if we do the surgery, you'll live. How would we be if, when hearing this news, we get mad at the doctor? Say, I don't want what you suggest. I don't want anybody cutting on me. (laughs) I don't want to do what you say we need. Get angry. How would our prognosis be if we refuse to listen to what the doctor says? Even though he said, you have a good prognosis. It's treatable. We can can heal you. But to still turn and get angry. Jesus here in this chapter, He heals a man. He heals a man who's been sick for 38 years and he'd been lying by the pool at Bethesda and there was this idea that the, 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 the pool would sometimes have an angel come down and it would stir up the waters. And, and whoever got into the pool first, whenever this angel would come down, would, would, uh, would be healed. But this man had been there for 38 years. And Jesus asked maybe what we would want to ask this guy. Do you really want to be healed? You've been here 38 years. Do you really want to be healed? And Jesus says to him, Arise, take up your bed, and walk. He speaks to the man. The man obeys, and he's healed. He listened to the word of Jesus, and he obeyed. And then what happens? The, 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 the Jewish people of the day, they get angry at him. They get angry at him because he broke their traditions about the Sabbath. I think this text is very applicable to what we need to hear right now. Know that we are small this morning, and I have every inclination that this morning I'm preaching to the choir. I wish that others were here to hear it. Let's read from John chapter 5. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to the temp- to Jerusalem. Now, there is in Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate a pool in Aramaic called Bethesda, which has five roofed colonnades. In these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man was there who had been an invalid, invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there, and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, 
do you want to be healed? The man answered him, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I'm going, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, Get up, take up your bed, and walk. And at once the man was healed, and he took up his bed and walked. Now that day was the Sabbath. So the Jews said to the man who had been healed, It is the Sabbath, and it's not lawful for you to take up your bed. But he answered them, Well, the man who healed me, that man said to me, Take up your bed and walk. They asked him, Who is the man who said to you, Take up your bed and walk? Now the man who had been healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn. And there was a crowd in the place. Afterwards, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you are well. Sin no more, that nothing worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had healed him. And this was why the Jews were persecuting Jesus, because he was doing things on the Sabbath, these things on the Sabbath. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, we ask you to speak to us through your word this morning. Our greatest need is to hear your word. And my highest duty as a pastor is to feed your sheep. Lord, enable me and strengthen me to do that this morning. I'm just a weak man. But you are strong. In Jesus' name, amen. I've already kind of laid out the scene. There was a man who had been an invalid for 38 years. That man had been there for a very long time, 38 years. Who knows how old he was, but he was probably there most of his life. I'm going to jump straight to application here. Just as our problems have been here a long time, uh, just in the same way our problems have been here for a long time. I didn't come and bring the problems that we have. I was told with tears that we may be the most messed up church in the state of Illinois when I first came here. I've been told about the problems we've had for decades before I came here. We've had problems for a long time, just as this man who had been by the pool had been there for 38 years, and yet he couldn't get into the pool. Then Jesus said to him, do you want to be healed? Jesus asked him, do you want to be healed? He's been there for 38 years. You would assume he wanted to be healed, but he'd been there for 38 years. (laughs) And so Jesus asked us the same question. Do we really want to be healed? Do we really want to be a healthy church? Or are we going to be content just doing things the way we've always have? And just putting up with all the garbage like we always have? Sometimes it's just more comfortable to keep things the way they are. Maybe that's why the man had been there for 38 years. 
He was trusting in a strategy, trusting that someone could help him into the pool, but nobody ever came. Maybe sometimes we get stuck into the wrong strategy like this man. And what we need is not someone to come and give us the right strategy and put us in the pool. What we need is Jesus. What we need is Jesus. And then the man was healed when Jesus, when Jesus spoke and the man obeyed. Just as the, word, as the world was made when, by the word of Christ, when Jesus spoke, that man was healed. And in the same way, our healing will come by the word of Christ followed by our obedience. Isn't it clear? This text applies so much to us. Our healing will come when we hear the voice of Jesus and we obey. And then my final point that comes from this text, which I'm going to spend the most of the time on, is the Jews became angry and persecuted Jesus because he didn't follow their man-made traditions about spirituality. Just as the Jews were made angry when Jesus broke their traditions, some in this congregation can become angry when traditions we protect become threatened. I'm going to name some traditions. Something that's been here a long time, this long-term tradition is a style of preaching. What's been common in this pulpit for a long time is what's called topical preaching. And many great preachers have used this method. One of my heroes from the past, Charles Haddon Spurgeon, called the Prince of Preachers and preached this way. In this method of preaching, the preacher determines the topic that the Spirit's leading him to, and then he may write a sermon from a text that fits that topic. And some have found this to be a kind of a mark of spirituality. If the preacher is really following the lead of the Holy Spirit, then he's going to jump around from the, in the Bible from place to place, whatever the Spirit impresses on his heart for that week. And as you can guess, that's not the way I preach. Though this is not because I'm any less led by the Spirit. In fact, I believe the Spirit has led me to this method. When I prepare a sermon, I study the next text as we go through a big biblical book, and I ask the Holy Spirit, what is it in this text that your people need to hear? I'm depending on the Holy Spirit. I'm not doing it the way my great-great-grandfather did it here in this church. But I'm depending on the Holy Spirit to show me in His Word what is it your people need to hear. This isn't a new way to preach. It's been around for thousands of years. We even find it in the Old Testament in Nehemiah 8 whenever the Bible tells us that He read the law before all the people and explained what it meant. We see it in John Chrysostom. who He was an a early preacher. He was called the Golden Tongue. He lived about 300 years after Jesus. We see it in the great preachers of the Protestant Reformation. John Gill, the man I did my uh, master's thesis on, he was a, a preacher at the same church that um, Charles Spurgeon was at about 100 years earlier. And he preached through the entire Bible this way. W.A. Criswell, late pastor of the First Baptist Church in Dallas, Texas, 
And one one time president of the Southern Baptist Convention also preached through the whole Bible this way. The way I see it, this is a method to show that we love the Bible. We want to hear from God. It ensures the preacher isn't just following the whims of his emotions, but that what he says actually comes from God's Word. And as I've been told before by a guest who visited here, it takes a lot of humility for a past preacher to admit that the Bible has something better to say than I do. Another tradition that is, is a preference in music style. We have certain hymns that we like, and we don't really want to sing new ones. And I'm not talking about contemporary. It may be in our hymnal. And our musicians may know it from days in the past, but it's, if it's unfamiliar, we tend to get cranky about it. One of the problems is we live in a consumer culture. We want it like Burger King. We want it my way. And our worship has become an idol to our own preferences. We have to, wor- we have to remember that worship isn't about us, but it's about a holy God who's called a consuming fire. Another tradition is the attractional model of growth for the church. If you want to grow a church, then hold big events that will bring people in or put on the best show that will appeal to people's preferences. This kind of plan for church growth may have had some success in the 1950s and 60s when most people were already predisposed to go to church. It was socially advantageous to go to church then. But we live in a day now that the church is being marginalized. It's no longer socially advantageous to be a Christian. And increasingly, it is more likely that we will pay a cost for being faithful to Jesus. The only plan that will work today, and for particularly for a church like ours, it's not the attractional model. If we want to attract people here, we're not going to be able to compete with the big churches, right? The only thing that's going to work for us is we do what Paul said to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.2. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses and trust of faithful men who will be able to teach others also. It is relational. It is one by one making relationships with our neighbors, evangelizing them, and bringing them to a mature understanding of Christian living. We have to ask ourselves, are we here for the community or is the community here for us? We often fail, fall into the idea that people around us are here for us to use by getting them to come to our church and participate in the things we want to do. Rather, we need to turn that on its head. Our outreach needs to be focused on serving our community with no strings attached. Sharing the love of Jesus regardless of whether they come to church the next Sunday. We have to be others-focused instead of self-centered. And here's an example of something we are doing right. Don't get the idea that I think all is negative here. The youth group is doing a coat drive. I think that's wonderful. 
They've been out to visit shut-ins. That's a good example of what our church already does. Also, we have members that serve with Meals on Wheels. This is another wonderful example of doing exactly what we need to do. We have some who are volunteering to serve the needs of victims of human trafficking. Don't get the idea I don't see the good things that are going on. And we need to do more of it. And that needs to be our main focus when it comes to outreach. We don't need to plan a big event that will draw other Christians to come and be entertained. We need to get out into the world and be salt and light. Then one more tradition. Another man-made tradition is the kind of person we want for a pastor. The Bible gives us what we ought to look for. The qualifications are found in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and Titus chapter 1. To Titus, Paul says, If anyone is above reproach, the husband of one wife and his, his children are believers, not open to the charge of debauchery or insubordination. For an overseer, as God's steward, must be above reproach. He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered or, drunk, or drunkard or violent or greedy for gain, but hospitable, a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. He must hold first, hold fast the true, trustworthy word as taught, so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. And while some may make the accusation that I've been arrogant, in this day and in this culture, that's the natural accusation that comes to anyone who rebukes those who contradict, contradict sound teaching. What we see above is a summary of what the Bible tells us, the, tells the church to look for in a pastor. Yet we have our preferences, don't we? A pastor has to be on call 24 hours a day. A pastor has to shake everyone's hand every Sunday. A pastor has to be good with kids. A pastor has to be a good storyteller. And of course, most importantly, a pastor should never step on my toes, tell me I'm wrong, or challenge the way I'm living. I've been asked what my vision is for this church. This is it. The very things that some, are, some people are being upset about. Just like Jesus, when He healed on the Sabbath, the Pharisees got upset because it broke their traditions. The very things that are making people upset. I want us to be a people who are known for our love of the Bible and for our strong biblical preaching. I want us to be a church that doesn't complain when our preferences aren't met. Because we aren't here for us, we're here for God. I want us to be a church that is outward focused. And I want to be a pastor who doesn't put on a show and avoid controversy to please people. I want to be a pastor who takes up the shepherd's staff, who fights off the wolves and listens to the voice of the chief shepherd through his word. The more we're conformed to that, the more we will be conformed to the image of Jesus. Thank you for listening to this message from Woburn Baptist Church. For more information, please visit us at www.wilburnbaptistchurch.org or you can also like us on Facebook.